Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number six in what I think is an incredible series about the power of perfect love. Now, remember, so many times we read the scripture where it talks about perfect love and, and, and the power of perfect love and the fruit of perfect love, what it explains what perfect love is. And somehow or another, we quote scriptures uh, leaving out the word perfect. And so we quote scriptures that say there is no fear in love. Well, that's not what scripture says. The scripture says there's no fear in perfect love. We quote scriptures that says, you know, in the day of judgment, we will not have fear because God loves us. No, it says in the day of judgment, we will not have fear because uh, we are experiencing God's perfect love. It talks about how that how that in this world we have this boldness because uh God loves us and we are like Jesus. No, it says we're like Jesus when God's love has been perfected in us. It's amazing how, and I think very much unintentionally, how we twist the scripture because we do not handle the scripture uh, really with, with the respect that it should be given. We, we handle the scripture very irresponsibly and, uh, you know, it's amazing how we will believe almost anything any preacher says about the Scripture if we like the way they preach. We don't go check it out and see if it's in the Bible. We don't see if it's in harmony with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We say, oh, man, I like that. I'm going to hold on to that. Well, that's good as long as you check it out and make sure that you're holding on to something that's based on the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now. Today, we're talking about our greatest need. Now, this is so incredibly important because uh, I got to tell you, for a lot of years, it took me time to grow in my understanding, and I'm not embarrassed about it. Listen, I'm always growing, and uh, so many times we will see a particular truth, and we'll see a certain dimension of that truth, a certain aspect of that truth. But if we actually put this into practice and we're actually walking with God and we're seeking for this truth to bear fruit in our life, then what tends to happen is that we start seeing new depths, new ways to apply this. And it's not that what we used to believe is completely wrong. It's just that there's greater dimensions of this truth. A person that says, you know, I used to believe this, but now I believe this. That person's cheating themselves because so many times, the way they understood it, you know, five years ago was important to what they were facing, what their life was going through five years ago. And now when they see a new dimension in that truth, they don't have to throw away what they had before as much as they build on it and they continue to expand it and it enriches their life more and more and more. So pretty much, you know, I believe pretty much the same doctrinal things I have believed about God from 
in the very beginning of my walk with God. Now, there were a few things in the beginning that I was influenced to believe, and I very quickly repented of those things. said, you know what? I don't see that in the Bible, and so I've got to go search this out for myself. But that was the key. Search it out for myself. I want to be like what Paul called the noble Bereans who would go home every day after listening to him preach, and they would search these things out in the Word of God to see if they were so. And that's who we want to be. And if, and if we're going to be a disciple, that's who. That's what we've got to do. That's how we've got to approach it. We can't rely on anybody else's Word. God cannot lead you through what somebody else is experiencing with Him. They can give you testimonies. They share things with you that would encourage you. But uh, that, that can never be how you get your leadership about where God's going to take you. We have really allowed ourselves to be inundated with humanism, socialism, all of these uh, worldly philosophies. And you know what? Here's the amazing thing about humanism, about socialism. Socialism has actually never worked in any country in the world, yet. It is the philosophy that is taking over the world right now. Uh, socialism violates every single principle of the Word of God. Now, it makes the same promises that the Word of God makes, but then it puts us on a path to pursue those promises in ways that are very anti-God, very anti-scriptural, and that always lead to death and destruction. And you look at the way it bears fruit. You know, may, hundreds of millions of people died in China, in, in uh, uh, Russia, in uh, South, uh, South America, and all over Europe, died because they bought into a philosophy that was contrary to the Word of God. Now, it was in harmony with the Word of God as far as what it practiced and some of the principles that it embraced, but... It's not truth just because it's it's in agreement with the Word of God. It's truth when it starts out in agreement with the Word of God, and then it is pursued based on the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it bears godly fruit. And, you know, we've, we've talked about that. We're going to keep on talking about that. So, you know, basically, we have come to believe that when we are facing a problem, our greatest need is that God needs to give us something or to do something to solve this problem or to fix this situation or to arrive at a solution. Now, the problem with that, the moment I begin to think that way, well, number one, I am denying the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Secondly, I'm saying that, that Jesus' work wasn't finished. Now, his part is finished. Somebody wrote me one time and said, why do you keep calling this a finished work? It's not finished. No, his part is finished. Our part, which involves believing something and committing our life to it and, and listening to God and walking out, that's our part. Jesus believed, committed his life to his part and walked it out and provided everything that he is, is going to provide for us. So, you know, when you start saying, okay, so, so what is our greatest need? Because right now it feels like my greatest need is to fix this problem. My greatest need is to end this pain in my life. Well, you know, that is a need, but that is not your greatest need. Your greatest need has to do with how 
you will come to the place where you can solve the problem, where you can where you can uh, meet the need. And I say we always think that the solution to our problem is that we need to receive something. God needs to do something. God needs to give us something. And so we're begging and pleading with God to, to give us things and to do things for us that, in fact, he's probably already done through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our greatest need is to believe that God is who he revealed himself to be through the Lord Jesus, that and that uh, he has accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus everything that he says he has accomplished. And so our greatest need then is to believe and to get in step with, get in harmony with uh, the finished work of the Lord Jesus. That is our greatest need. And Jesus modeled what that would look like. He showed us how we could live that. He showed us you know, uh, how we could put it into practice in our lives. And one of the things that, you know, one of the things that he did was uh, uh, he, he told us that when we are walking out the things that that he has promised and that he has given us, that it's going to be easy in life. It's not going to be hard. It's not going to be difficult. It's not going to be strenuous. It is going to be easy in life. So we need to harmonize our lives with Jesus, his finished work, and become one with God. And when we do that, we enter into a dimension where we are able to begin to experience what God has given us. Now, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. I, I, you know, I make this statement all the time, and I, I know it sounds pretty, sounds pretty challenging, sounds pretty tough, but uh, Jesus is supposed to be our Lord. Over and over and over again, he says, that the person who does not build their life on his teaching, that that person's life is going to fall apart. Uh, he talks about the uh, compares it to the house that's built on the sand, and when the waves crash against it, and the wind blows, and all of these disastrous things happen, it's going to collapse, and it's going to be an incredible destruction. That doesn't mean that person lost their salvation. It doesn't mean God stopped loving them, but it does mean that by rejecting what the Lord Jesus has taught us, what he has shown us, and what he has offered us, by rejecting it, by not getting involved in it, harmonizing our life with it, then we don't have the power and the strength to live through those kinds of situations. But, uh, but several times Jesus warned about people who call him Lord but do not build their life on this teaching. Right now, there are major movements, there are major denominations that will tell you that Jesus' teaching doesn't apply to us. You know, there, there is a denomination that a lot of my family members belong to, and they say that, you know, the things that Jesus taught, that those were those people back then, that doesn't apply to us. Uh, and then there is a more modern group of people that say that you can't follow the teachings of Jesus because he was a teacher of the law. And so, you know, you go through all this stuff. And so at some point, you say, well, wait a minute. So I guess Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. I guess he was delusional or he was a liar or he was deceitful or something because he said, if you do not hold on to, if you do not hold in high regard, if you do not put into practice his teachings, that you're going to have devastation in your life. He came that you might have life 
And he personally is that life. And he personally models that life. And he personally teaches how we share in that life. And, and he has done everything that he can possibly do to make it possible for us to live the life that God has promised us. But if we choose not to follow his example, follow his teachings, follow his interpretation of scripture, then the real truth is we live outside of the grace of God. And I'm not talking about outside of salvation. I'm not talking about outside of being born again. I'm talking about we live outside of the realm where we experience the power of God. But the apostle Paul said this in Acts 20, 35. He said, remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this is one of those places where we read the words of Jesus and we say, man, that is so sweet. That is so wonderful. Jesus, he was such a nice person. He was such a sweet person. But then we ignore that as far as realizing that everything that Jesus said was something that would be beneficial to our life. And so we read that he says it's better to give than it is to receive, but we immediately think that our problems will be, will be resolved if we could just receive something from God. If God would just give us whatever it is that we need. And so then, you know, we begin developing a prayer life that's not based on Scripture, trying to get God to give us things that he's already given us, trying to get God to do things that he has already done, trying to get God to, you know, to be who he already is, trying to get Jesus to pay the price for something that, that he has absolutely always paid. Well, the truth is, we don't believe that it's better to give than to receive, if we believe that. You know, this is one of the things uh, you can tell what a person believes by their behavior. Now, behavior modification, uh, there's, a, there's a big group of people out there that think that they understand behavior modification, and they sort of do in some areas. But the real truth is behavior modification, if it's based on faith and grace, that's the goal that God has for the, for the, what he, the work he's doing. Is. He, he has, uh, we are his workmanship created unto good works. What are those good works? Well, behavior modification is part of those good works. But behavior modification that is not based on faith and grace is dead works, and that is destructive. But just to come out and say that behavior modification is not important, it's not beneficial, it's not going to do anything for your life, man, I am just telling you that is utter, utter foolishness. You know, if, if you're going through marriage problems because you have a bad attitude, if you're going through marriage problems because you, you treat your spouse badly, then I got news for you. It doesn't matter what happens into, inside of you. That's not going to save your marriage. What's going to save your marriage is what happens um, that changes uh, your behavior. Now, yes, I think it needs to change on a belief level first. It needs, it needs to be a work of faith and grace so that it's the power of God working through you so you're not dependent on your strength. But at the end of the day, if there's not behavior modification, you're not going to change the way that you, that you treat your spouse. Therefore, your marriage is still going to fall apart no matter, no matter what's going on inside you. You know, it's an inter interesting scripture that says that uh, in the book of Proverbs, which, man, I, I'm just telling you, I love the book of Proverbs. 
because the book of Proverbs is all about practical application. And uh, unfortunately, too many times we are we have no interest in practical application. We, we, we you know we just want God to fix a problem. We have this codependent involvement with God where we want Him to do uh, those things that we should be doing uh, by faith and grace. Proverbs twenty-seven five says that open rebuke is better than secret love. Now, you know, I can remember reading that scripture as a new believer and say, okay, then if I love people, I'll rebuke them. Well, that's kind of a half truth. But the real truth is what it's saying, as painful as an open rebuke is, it's still more beneficial than secret love. Well, what is secret love? Secret love is love that's not expressed. So the person who who doesn't experience faith and grace in their heart so that they begin to express their love, their love is secret love. In other words, if you don't treat your spouse differently, if there is not behavior modification, at some point in time, there's a, a likelihood your spouse is going to get sick of you, going to divorce you, and then you're going to whine and cry to God about, God, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, but you didn't do anything. Well, no, that's the problem. You were you were expecting God to do something that in reality, you yourself should do. It was up, it was up to you to do it but not just by outward effort, but you want it to happen by faith and grace. So it changes your beliefs. It changes everything about you. And it's the power of God working. But anyhow, so, so, you know, when we're faced with challenges, usually the first questions we ask ourselves we, you know, is, okay, so what do I need to do? Well, you know, what you need to do is incredibly important, but if you're going to work things through from God's perspective and get in harmony with God, then the first question really needs to be, what do I need to believe? Because all behavior, all behavior, all expression uh, that takes place through, through our life, through how we treat people, all of those expressions are, in fact, uh, they grow out of the beliefs of the heart. All the words that we speak come out of our heart. All the all the things that we do that we create as priorities in our life, they are the things that we treasure in our heart. So like if we treasure our job more than we treasure our family, we'll be workaholics. We won't come home. We will give our time to our job. We'll give our time to other people. If we, if we treasure uh, uh, looking good in the community, we will, we will serve our community. We won't serve our family. We treasure things for certain reasons. And then because we treasure them, that's where our heart is. And because that's where our heart is, then that is, that's what we pursue. That's what we give ourselves to. So the real truth is the first question isn't, isn't what I need to do. The real question is, what are my beliefs? What is it that I believe that is leading to this destructive behavior? Second thing is, uh, what does the scripture say that righteousness would look like in this situation. Well, the scripture would say that that you're gonna you're gonna love your spouse. Actually, the scripture would say whether you're the man or the woman that you're gonna submit to your spouse, which doesn't mean you obey. It means that you are going to be open and you're gonna be yielding. You're gonna listen. And it doesn't say it, it was amazing how many people, by the way, take that scripture and says wives submit to your husbands, but they don't take the scripture before that says submit you one to another. 
And uh, and so husbands think that they don't have to submit to their spouses and they get divorces for it. They get miserable marriages. They torment their family for it because they think they're above what the word of God says, because we pick out the parts that we that we like. And and then we can make it where everybody else has got to change. If my wife would just submit, everything would be great. Well, no. Uh, number one, you can't exercise authority or control or lordship over anybody except yourself. So so I, I've got to understand what the word of God describes if it's me as a good husband. If you're if it's female, then what is a good wife? What does what does this look like? So I, so the first thing is I've got to believe the truth about what it what this would look like. And then I've got to follow. Uh, the Holy Spirit as he gives me wisdom to apply the scripture. It's not enough just to have scripture. You can take the scripture and you can be meaner than a junkyard dog with it. Uh, and uh, and you can justify yourself. Say, well, I'm doing what the Bible says. Well, no, if you're not doing it from love, if you're not doing it to uh, bring healing, if you're not doing it to heal the relationship, then no, you're not doing what the scripture says. You're, you're uh, imitating something that the scripture says. Uh, and then, of course, then we've got to commit ourselves to bear fruit. The truth is, if we do not bear fruit, then we have what the Bible calls dead faith. So you're saying, well, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just having trouble with this. All right, we're created in the likeness of the image of God. And because we're created in the likeness of the image of God, the reason we need to harmonize with God, the reason we need to be like God, is because we're creating the likeness image of God. So that means that we have the same inherent needs that God has. Now, some people would say, well, God has no needs. Well, uh, I understand what that means, but you stop and think, you know, the Bible says, oh, nothing, oh, oh no man, nothing but a debt of, debt of love. So God, if we're creating his likeness and image, then God inherently has a need to give life and to express love. And we know that's true. We look at the Lord Jesus, we look at his teachings, and we understand that love is the motive for everything that God does. Now, what is what is love? Love is to hold in high regard, to consider precious and valuable. Uh, and so and so everything God does, he does it as an expression for of how valuable you are to him, as an expression of how precious you are, as an expression. Of, uh, of the high regard that he that he has for you. And so if we're doing what we're doing to get another person to behave behave a certain way, then then that's manipulation. That's not that's not really love. So so uh, I want to be like God. I want I want to walk in love. I want to always be where I am going to be expressing value for the people around me. I want to always be to where I am making them feel precious. Now, I'm not talking about some some fake, uh, manipulative, codependent something. I am just talking about something where you are wanting them to be affected by God through you. Now, is it wrong to hope that uh, they value your love and that they respond to it? No, it's not wrong to hope. And the truth is, if they've got a heart that's open to God, they will value it. If they've got a hard, crooked, wicked heart, they will not value your love. They will, in fact, try to take advantage of it. And, you know, a lot of the Old Testament scriptures where God talks about his wrath for the children of Israel, his disgust for the children of Israel, 
is because of the way they took advantage of his love, the way that they uh, uh, use his goodness as a way to feel like they could cut corners and get by with stuff. That's why the apostle Paul warned in the book of Galatians, he said, look, don't, don't be deceived. Whatever man sows that, that he's going to going to reap. Don't, don't think that because you're pretending like you love God. Don't think that because you pretend like you care anything about God. Don't think that this is going to really do anything. So he said, okay, you still haven't answered the question. You're right. Haven't answered the question because if I'm going to be like God, when it comes to love, my greatest need is not not to be loved, but my greatest need is actually to give love because Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. Now, I understand this. I understand, number one, we love God because he first loved us. So if, you're, if we are not experiencing the love of God, and I said experience, I didn't say legally possessing it. I didn't say that that just because God loves us, it's going to do anything for us. No, what's going to do something for us is going to be if we experience the love of God. So, you know, a wicked man can be loved by a good woman or, or a wicked woman can be loved by a good man. But if, if their heart is so hard, unrepentant, so, so uh, closed, then the truth is, no matter how much love is given to them, it doesn't benefit them. It doesn't, it doesn't make them have value for you. It doesn't make them have value for the relationship. So God is giving us perfect love all the time. But the question is, are we experiencing it? And that's what perfect love is. Or let me say, God's given us love. And, and when that love is perfected because of what happens in our heart, then we actually begin to experience that love. And when we begin to experience that love, then it changes how we relate back to God and how we relate to the people around us. Now, if you haven't listened to the previous messages in this series, go back and, and they're all on uh, impactministers.com. Go back and listen to them. And I'm telling you, they will, they will help you. And, uh, but you know, listen to this. One of my favorite scriptures of all time, 2 Peter 1 3, says that the, that the, uh, the divine life of the Lord Jesus Christ has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that's called us to glory and virtue. So the moment I think that there's something else that God needs to give me, then I'm saying Jesus didn't do this. I'm saying this scripture isn't true. Now, every time I'm saying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of scriptures are not true. If I believe these scriptures, I will begin to experience these. And one of the greatest ways to be able to experience this and receive this love that God's already poured out on us is when I'm seeking the grace to give it away. Anything that you want to receive needs to start with the grace of giving away. Now, listen, in the audio series, I'm going to be going deeply, deeply into the whole thing of the law of the seed and how that uh, we have to have we have to have uh, giving before we have, have receiving. We have to experience these things. So listen, you might want to download the, uh, the series on uh, the power of perfect love. And you might want to dive in because I'm going to give you about six hours, uh, maybe even a few, a couple of bonus messages 
about how to bring this into your life and to begin to experience it so you can show other people love, you can experience the grace of God, that you start experiencing the love of God, and it changes the way you treat God, changes the way you treat people. The thing you need more than anything else, if Jesus has already given you love, is you need to start giving it away. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.